0: whtt.org And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Chuck Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths, here to introduce Tom Compton for tonight's program. And our program tonight will be called Prominent Christian Leaders Who Are Not Peacemakers. First of all, Tom is one of the originators of We Hold These Truths before 2000. Tom was working with me and others who were putting together the ideas that uh, we bring about today. He's an original member of the We Hold These Truths team and a tireless worker and a good thinker. And he's dedicated to our efforts to awaken people to the errors of Christian Zionism.
0: Thank you, Chuck, for that introduction. And we're going to be talking around the verse of. Matthew 5, 9, that's part of the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, that was said by Jesus Christ, and what prompted me to come up with this idea for a podcast was a devotional by R.C. Sproul about peacemaking, and he said Jesus also pronounced God's blessing upon the peacemakers in this verse 9 of uh, chapter 5 of Matthew, and this saying cannot be separated from the peace Christ brought through the cross and thus be used to support pacifism. Peacemaking is tied intimately to the work of Christ, which is to bring together things divided and to reconcile the alienated. We are peacemakers whenever we share the gospel in word and deed, yet Our Lord, by destroying the power of sin, also affects peace between people in the church. We are called to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In both the church and the world, contention and strife are not to follow in our wake. And then uh, he has a, a final point here. By the Holy Spirit, we are sons of God and partake of his nature. Since our Father loves peace so much that he sent his Son to reconcile himself to his people, we have not partaken of his nature and cannot claim to be Christians if we are not peacemakers. We must be willing to put ourselves and our desires in second place to make peace so long as we do not compromise essential biblical truths. Make peace today where you have caused strife. And so one of the verses that he refers to is Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. I therefore, these are written by Paul, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And then finally, Isaiah 52, 7 says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And so when we think about the mission of we hold these truths in challenging Christian Zionism and its theology uh, that is being propagated by Christian Zionists and very prominent ones. And so I want to kind of cover a few of these people that we've seen over the years that are really not examples of peacemakers. And the earliest one, I think we can uh, recall, is Richard Land of the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. In October of 2002, he drafted a letter that was sent to President George Bush. Now, this was about five months before the the second war on Iraq. And this letter was signed by a number of other prominent evangelical Christian leaders, Bill Bright of Campus Crusade, Chuck Colson, of Prison Ministries, D. James Kennedy, of Coral Ridge Ministries. Uh, these three are all p- passed away. But the letter that was sent to George Bush said that going to war against Iraq and Saddam Hussein would be a just war by their interpretation of the Bible. Well, that is a perfectly good example of not being a peacemaker. I mean, we understood that Chuck Carlson understood that at that time. And our very first vigil was a few weeks after this letter was written. And uh, we stood in front of a Southern Baptist church here in Scottsdale, Arizona, to challenge, blessed are the peacemakers, choose life, not war, who would Jesus bomb and signs like that. Another example of a prominent evangelical Christian leader that has promoted this idea of a just war happened actually in my own church here in Scottsdale, Arizona. We were in a class being led by Dr. Wayne Grudem, who is a theology professor at a local seminary here in Phoenix, Arizona. And we were in this class for about a year and a half, and we found uh, most of what Dr. Gruden presented it. So we agreed with it, but we had our last session with Dr. Grudem in, in 2010 when he was discussing national defense. Dr. Grudem has written a book on systematic theology, and he wrote a book, Politics According to the Bible. Well, he was going through this book chapter by chapter, and when he got to the chapter on national defense— He proceeded to tell us that the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan were just wars by his interpretation of the Bible. This really shocked me, to say the least. And as I said, this was our last class there. But it gives the idea of the saying, I don't know who said this, but morality sees further than intellect. In other words, intellect blinds people to the reality. In the case of Afghanistan and Iraq, we've created uh, havoc there. In Iraq, there's estimates maybe of a million Christians that were forced out of uh, Iraq because of our actions there, the devastation that we've created in Afghanistan being there 18 years. And so it begs the question, where is the sense of peacemaking with these people? The next prominent incident uh, occurred in March of 2003, just before the Gulf War. And this was with John Hagee appearing on Benny Hinn's This Is Your Day television program. And in that, John Hagee made a prayer. And I'd like to play that prayer right here. Come on, Saints, let's all pray. You and your
2: homes. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for our president tonight. I pray that you would give him the wisdom of Solomon to lead this nation into war against the enemies of righteousness. I pray for the good men and women in Washington, D.C., that they will stand in righteous boldness for this righteous cause. I pray in the name of Jesus that every power and principality of darkness will be brought to confusion when this war begins. I pray, God, that the enemy shall be destroyed and that the angels of heaven shall go before the U.S. and British forces, bringing deliverance to that part of the world and most assuredly, deliverance to Israel.
0: We have a link to that actual prayer. You can see the video with one of our vigils. My next example of a prominent Christian leader not being a peacemaker uh, will take a little bit of explaining. My dear wife, Linda, passed away a little over two years ago, and she was a very ardent student of the Bible, and she was an excellent teacher. And for over 20 years, she taught courses that were prepared by Precepts Ministries, And this ministry uh, is headed by a woman named Kay Arthur. Precepts Ministries courses are taught in many thousands of evangelical churches and even in churches that aren't evangelical. We know of of mainline churches that teach this. The interesting thing about this, I want to play a clip because Kay Arthur is a dyed-in-the-wooled christian zionist and so let's hear her thoughts on israel
3: there are all sorts of solutions that man is offering to bring peace to the middle east one of those solutions is to carve out a palestinian state out of the land of israel One of the things that we need to understand is God never refers in his word to the land of Israel as the land of Palestine. That is the invention of man in order to get man to stop thinking about Israel. The problem to a Palestinian state within that is it goes against the word of God. God tells us in the Torah, in the first five books of the Bible, that this land is his land, and it is not to be given to another. And God has ordained that it belongs to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his descendants forever and ever and ever. Therefore, any politician, any nation that comes up with this kind of a solution has to know you are going against the word of God you are going against the will of God, and you will not succeed.
0: Okay, that kind of pretty well clearly uh, gives her position on Israel. I think that does qualify her as a Christian Zionist. About five years before my wife passed away, she came to me and said that um, she would no longer teach K Arthur. She had studied this, and she knew our position uh, working for peace and justice uh, in the Middle East for both uh, Palestinians and Israeli Jews, for that matter. And she decided that uh, she was going to create her own Bible studies, and that spoke volumes to me. And uh, just to, to demonstrate the callousness, I, 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 the only way I can describe this is callousness, of um, Kay Arthur. I want to play another short clip here. This was in 2014. Anne Graham Watts, the daughter of Billy Graham and Kay Arthur are in Jerusalem. And this is what they had to say while the Israelis were conducting what is known as Operation Protective Edge. This is the war against Gaza in 2014 where over 1,500 people were killed, about 75% of them were civilians, and there were about 500 children, and recall uh, the incident, for example, of the four Palestinian boys from 9 to 11 playing on the beach in Gaza that were killed, and it made the news here. And... So with that little bit of background, uh, let me just play this clip here.
2: I'm Ann Graham Lotz, and I'm standing here with Kay Arthur. We're in Jerusalem, and we just both wanted to say a word to you about our good friend Steve Dick and Inspiration Tours, Mm. because we want you to know that uh, we're here at a time of war, and we feel very safe. So Kay, I don't know if you want to say a word to the people that might be wanting to come on tour with Steve, but...
3: I would love to. I, I believe that if you will come to Israel, if you will not cancel your tour, first of all, they won't let you come if it's not safe. That's right. Don't listen That's to right. the news. That's it's right. not like you think. I mean, we are perfectly safe here. But the other thing is when you come, you have a ministry besides being ministered to by what you're going to learn from Ann or from David and I. You. <laughs> yes. And, uh, uh, besides that what's going to happen is their faces are going to light up. They're going to know that you truly trust in God and if you trust in God and you honor them and don't listen to the news about Israel being the enemy but you come and support them you will minister. You will have many open doors. We have had incredible open doors of sharing the gospel With the people here in Israel and letting them know that they are God's chosen people, and God said He has given them this land as an everlasting possession. So don't cancel, don't see it as a ministry, see it as an investment in the future of this nation and in the hastening of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the coming of the Lord.
0: All I can say is, Wow, what callousness! It really grieves me, and anyone that uh, is a believer in Jesus Christ should be repulsed by that. And my last example that happened a little more recently is uh, Robert Jeffress, who's a Southern Baptist pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, one of the largest Southern Baptist churches in the country. And he's a spiritual advisor to our president, Donald Trump. And in fact, he's the man that gave the opening prayer at the dedication of the Jerusalem Embassy of the United States of America just last year. And uh, one of the things that he did to demonstrate that he is not a peacemaker, this is to me even more incredible, is uh, at the time uh, back in 2017, Donald Trump was saying we needed to kill the leader of North Korea. But uh, he is now, as we know, they're in the process of actually talking. But at that time, Robert Jeffers came out publicly and said that uh, this leader needs to be killed. Now, he justified that by saying Romans 13 uh, does that, where it says that God puts the leaders in, that you're supposed to follow them. But we have podcasts that talk about this issue. When God's laws are violated, we may not follow what our government does. So a preacher that claims to be promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ, calling to kill someone, it just does not compute. And so the concept of peacemaking has been lost with so many of our, what we would call Christian Zionist leaders. They are either totally oblivious to it, We don't know. We can't judge them. Only God can judge their actions, and we can only pray that they would repent of what they have done and ignoring the suffering of others. And so I'd like to open this up to uh, some of our people here to see if they have any questions or have another verse that they think uh, that would apply to uh, being peacemakers. Carol?
4: The one that came to me uh, has to do with the night that Jesus was born and according to the Gospel, the angels sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, and I just want to comment, I studied Latin and uh, I know that that is a mistranslation because it doesn't say God is saying peace on earth to men generally. Uh, according to the grammar of it, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men of good will. That may seem like I'm splitting hairs, but grammatically it's to men of good will. So we, we aren't saying everybody should have peace no matter if you murder and destroy the livelihood of others. And in the one last thing I'd like to say about that passage, which I love so much, to me, it points up the twofold law of love again. If you can picture the cross. The vertical beam of the cross, to me, always uh, reminds me of my relationship to God, my creator. And then the horizontal beam reminds me of Jesus' teaching of how I must care for my brother. So um, we are to honor our creator and then take care of our brother in love and peace. So that's all what I would like to offer you there.
0: Thank you, Carol. Craig?
4: Yeah,
5: coming off of uh, what Carol had to say there, Romans 12:18 says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. We're not to be causing problems. We're to be peacemakers. And follow Jesus And Paul in, in Timothy 2.1 says First of all then I urge you that supplications Prayers, intercessions And thanksgivings be made For all people For kings who are in high positions That we may lead a peaceful And quiet life Godly and dignified in every way So we're, we're called to live peaceful lives And as Carol said there God's peace will be among those Who are of good will I've got one more scripture. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, in in the passage where Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem, he says, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Disaster will come upon you because you did not know the time of your visitation.
0: Thanks, Greg. Dave, have you got a question or a verse?
6: Yeah, thanks, Tom. The book of Matthew itself, it begins and ends saying that Jesus is king. And Jesus calls us to the mount to teach us new life principles that he is calling us to live in the kingdom of God. And the words in Matthew and and in the uh, Sermon on the Mount here the words reverse the standards of the world that we live in. So this is an example, looking at verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, we're not talking about the proud and the arrogant and, and all that stuff that goes around in the world around us. And verse 4, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And so us being meek and mourning about the murder of the innocent, the oppression of the defenseless and and the old and women and children and and the injustice that uh, we see in the world around us, completely opposite to what the destructive throws that the rest of the world is going through. Jesus preached the kingdom in us and the kingdom to come. And so the verse that came to mind is in Philippians 4, 7, 8, and 9. And the peace of God, which path is all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there are any be virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. And these things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So taking all of those things, this is what we are to put into action and live in our lives as ambassadors for peace.
0: Thank you so much, Dave. That was well said. Ken, do you have a question or verse you'd like to share?
6: I was going to read something from Numbers 6. I was raised in a church in Michigan, and every Sunday the final closing of the service was Aaron's blessing that God had told to say to Moses, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And then the NIV study footnote for peace says, This is the Hebrew word shalom in its most expressive fullness a positive state of rightness and well-being, a peace that comes only from God.
0: Great. Thank you. Chuck, do you want to just wrap it up?
1: Sure. We're happy to, Tom, and thank you so much. This is a terrific presentation. There's a lot in it. I might say that there are members of Precept Ministries and BSF Bible Study Fellowship meeting in most, if not the majority, of mainline churches, not the dispensational churches, uh, but I can vouch for this by my own attendance at mainline churches uh, where I've been going for the last 15 years or so. And these people who are teaching these courses that Tom is talking about here and explaining so well are not paid staff members in a, a Methodist church or a Lutheran church or a Presbyterian church, they've simply borrowed a room from the church, and the church has allowed them to publicize their Bible study. It goes on quietly on a Saturday afternoon or evening, or maybe a Sunday afternoon. And members of the church gradually go and listen to the teachings that your wonderful wife, Linda, was involved in in her days, and that she left behind. This is happening in mainline churches all over. And Tom, your message that you put together today has terrific application to these churches who are not aware of what BSF and Precept Ministries teaches in the basement quite often. The pastors don't always go. They usually don't. So we have a, a message here that we can take to almost any mainline church and simply ask them, do you have a Bible study by one of the national Bible study groups going on off the record in your facilities? And we'll find that there are people who will not know what's being taught in the name of Christian Zionism in the churches that are not Christian Zionists, that are traditional in nature. And I think you've put together uh, something that has terrific application and can be shown to the leadership of thousands of congregations of mainline, non-dispensational churches, Tom. Thank you so much for doing this. And we thank Linda for her part in this as well. I remember her so well, Tom. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, Think big and press on towards the straight gate.